Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. Today we are disrupting shame. And I can't help but feel every time I come in and out of Fiji that there is a blanket of shame and silence that covers the nation. So often shame exists because of the silence. Silence is actually the enemy to our freedom. And shame, the definition of shame as the dictionary describes, is it's a painful feeling of humiliation caused by wrong or foolish behaviour. Now it's important to understand the difference between conviction and shame. Conviction says what I'm doing is wrong, what I've done is wrong, and generally it should lead us to repentance and the freedom we have in Jesus. Shame actually says who I am is wrong. And because we hate being wrong as people and families, we work really hard to cover up the shame, to stay silent, pretend that everything is okay. And this is why it's so destructive. To actually carry shame is to deny the power of the work of Jesus and what he's done on the cross. He has died for this stuff to set us free. And when we bring it into light, we allow his redeeming power to shine into that area of sin and bring healing and hope. And this is exactly what our guest has done today, the woman we are going to be interviewing. Her name is Libby. Hello, Libby. Hi. Hi, Leticia. Hi, everyone. Now, I've, I've had the privilege of hearing you speak twice now. Um, you're an amazing communicator. Uh, you spoke at, at one event about the abuse you endured as a young girl and then at another event that we ran with teenage girls about your addiction to pornography. Um, and what I loved about you sharing is that as I listened to you, I thought here is a woman who's found freedom from shame. She understands yeah. what Christ has done <laughs> yeah. for us and that's why you can f- share so freely. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So awesome, yeah. But just tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? I am, first of all, I am a mother of three beautiful children. I'm married. My name is Libby. Libby is actually short for Elizabeth. Um, I am 38. Yes, I'm 38 years old. And um, just living, um, I think I'm just really in this season enjoying life and living it fully you know, in, in, in being a mother, in being an example, in being a leader. And, um, yeah, that kind of wraps me up in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. And you do it all so well with much passion. Mm-hmm. We've got to say you've got three children under the age of three. That's important to yes. know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, you and your husband, you pastor at the C3 Church? in Correct. We pastor the C3 Church in Suva, in the capital of Fiji, um, in, in you know, one of the suburbs, and we are full-time pastors. And we also, uh, you know, founded a couple of years ago, founded an NGO that we're working with as well called Inspire Pacific um, that works with the young, young people, specifically in the juvenile at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so you and I got to work together a few about a month or so ago when we ran a, a get day for teen girls. Uh, yes. We had about 30 or 40 teenage girls. And part of one of the sessions was our leaders stood up and shared a struggle with something they've mm-hmm. had to walk through um, when you were a teenager or a younger girl. And you shared about struggling through an addiction with pornography. Mm-hmm. Now, first I want to ask, were, were you scared to stand up and not just the girls but all the leaders were there? Did, were you, did you feel any sense of shame or why were you able to speak so boldly? Um, 
I think uh, if I were to answer that question a few years back, there would definitely be shame and fear. But currently, right now, I, I don't sense any um, any chains, you know, of fear or of shame uh, holding me back when I need to share my testimony or my story or specifically anything around my addiction to pornography or masturbation. I just have, there's no shame and no fear in that. And you mentioned it in the start. It's because I understand and God has given me the revelation of Jesus has set me free from that. And uh, I am, as a person, that is not me. Um, that That is, you know, that is what the enemy had me bound in and just had me confused in and lost in and addicted to. And I owe it all to really to God's freeing power just setting me free from that and enabling you know myself to stand aside um and look back and with no fear or no shame yeah and, and no concern not in a prideful way for what people think or what people might think of the person that I was yeah because there is a lot of pressure especially when you're a church leader not to share yes, these issues because yes, yes. people start talking and then they think, well, what's wrong with our pastor? Um, should I listen right. to everything she says? <laughs> but um, the reality is we've all had struggles, haven't we? Um, if, yes, we if we were all to yes. be honest. Yeah, no, I love that about you. And porn addiction with females is not something we talk about much in our culture, let alone right. the Fijian culture. But um, as, right. as I've said many times, I've had many young Fijian women come and share their stories with me. It's a very real yeah. issue. So um, where, where does a female young girl find pornography? How did it begin for you? Um, I think for me, my addiction to pornography started as early as um, class five. I think that's the same as grade five, class five, class six, thereabouts. At that time, I did not have access to anything that was online or media. Everything was on magazines um, and books. And um, and I accessed it at school, um, you know, just my friends bringing magazines to school. And that's where I, uh, I wouldn't say got introduced to anything that was within the sexual world. Um, because I had earlier been abused, so that wasn't kind of new for me. Uh, but definitely, was it was introduced to me at school and the circle of friends that I had via magazines that people bought. Yeah. Okay, let's just stop there. Um, so you're now 38. Class five is about the age of 10. So we're talking 28 years ago. Yes. Yes. Uh, kids at the age of 10 are bringing porn magazines to a primary school. Yeah. Yes. And that was back before phones, you know, now with phones, it's, I can't imagine that it's, it's, it's even worse. It probably is even worse now with them, you know, accessibility. Yeah. Absolutely. Where would they get these magazines from? Well, in Fiji, they would be sold in stores. Um, adult stores exact to be exact but I don't think that the children themselves would have bought it because they would not just have been allowed to so they would have definitely you know accessed it off of older people within their communities within their families probably that have it in the house and honestly I don't think that 
even those adults knew that the children had taken it from home and brought them to school, um, you know, because if they found out, they would have really gotten a good hiding. Um, so they, yeah, so they definitely you know, stole it from adults in the in the homes, and it's sad to think that adults would be irresponsible and not have any concern for the the younger children that they have in the home, and just allowing that influence to be in the home. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's you know my my best um, theory around how they would get access to magazines. Yeah, and we forget quite often that children are so curious, um, yes. and so they yes. find something yeah. like yeah. this, and then they want to share it with their friends. Yes. Um, so, yeah. as a ten-year-old seeing pornography, what what did that then? It, did it incite a desire to find more, or what happened after that initial sighting? Yes, it did. It was like having candy and I wanted more. Um, and then when when I'm looking at pornographic magazines with, with my friends, um, there's sort of this like competition of, you know, I'm sort of like an adult and I'm like stepping into adult things. And, and there was that trying to be, you know, how guys would try to be the macho ones. Yeah, that's kind of how it was in the circle that I was involved in, um, and um, and it did definitely it 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 gave me an appetite. That's what it did. It gave me an appetite for for looking at more, for seeing more, and I believe that that's exactly how I ended up becoming then addicted to masturbation. I I don't think you can separate the two. I think if somebody is addicted to pornography, they are definitely indulging in masturbation. It's difficult to separate them. Um, and it's really sad that as a young girl, uh, while, you know, while other young girls just wanted to watch, you know, Barbie and princess cartoons, that I hungered for something more and I hungered for something that an adult, um, you know, that it's, it is, is in the adult world. Um, and I did not at the time realize how damaging it would be to me as I grew up into a woman. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get on to that in a minute. So where did you then um, continue to find pornography? I think after, after school, magazines, um, then it was kind of quiet for a, for, a, for a season until I began to access stuff online. And I was now able to go to the library and get onto the internet. Then it just kind of like something that had been laying dormant for a while. Just, yeah, I just had to feed it once. And it was like this huge bulldog that just was not satisfied. Um, so after the magazine period, just like a quiet period. And you think that I don't have to deal with this anymore until it's back in your face when you have the opportunity to um so just online yeah just getting online and seeing I didn't even have to go to a pornography site I just you know browse things like YouTube and looking at scenes from movies that I shouldn't have um and it's just crazy how it's just so readily available and I don't even have to sign anything via age to access you know, soft porn and um, and just get addicted to it, yeah. Yeah, wow. And so what were some of the implications that it had on you as a young woman growing up? Oh, man. Um, I, it, it, it stole my true sense of value. 
and uh, and I, I I lost that completely, you know. And I did not even realize how badly that affected me until I got married. So as a young girl, I lived quite a promiscuous life. Um, I just had one boyfriend after the other, after the other, and I had no hesitations sleeping with them and having sex with them. And so I was not a virgin when I got married. Um, yeah, I, I, because it's just by the grace of God that I didn't, like, I'm not a sex worker today. Um, honestly, it is because I, I was enjoying it. Like, I enjoyed being able to, and you know, pl- pleasure my and satisfy my flesh. Um, and so I lived quite a promiscuous life growing up as a young girl. Um, I was not able to keep a steady relationship. Um, and I always, I always pushed people away who loved me because I would always end up thinking that if somebody ever said that they loved me, even to my parents, I I always thought they don't really love me because they don't really know um, how I am and who I am and the things that I've done, because if they knew they wouldn't really love me. And so without just kind of assuming, assuming that if they knew what I, who I am now, they wouldn't love me. I just, unbeknownst to me, just pushed people away and thought and believed the lie of the enemy that I could not be loved fully and completely. Yeah. Wow. And so what, when were you finally able to become free from your porn addiction? It, it was actually, as a matter of fact, recently. And at this time, you know, and I'm not proud of it. And it's sad, but I was already a pastor by this time. I was already in church. I was already doing ministry. And then I um, did a marriage course with my husband. It was a 12-week marriage course. And the Holy Spirit just moved through that marriage course. And, you know, the thing with hiding an addiction is you get good at hiding it. So by this time, I'd been married 11 years, 10 years already. So I came into my marriage with this lifestyle um, with his addictions and with my past that, that my husband knew very little to nothing about uh, because I knew that if he knew, he probably wouldn't have married me. And so I got so good at hiding it and just even hiding the shame and all of that that came with it that I just kind of lived with it and, you know, ministered in church and, uh, you know, pastoring. And through this marriage counseling, this marriage training, Ben, who was my husband, began to ask some questions that that really, you know, shook the foundations of our marriage and, and my own foundation as a person. I then realized that I had not yet been set free from the shame, even as Ben asked the questions, which forced me to look back into my past and try to remember. I had buried everything so deep. I there were instances and moments and experience that I'd actually forgotten because I just didn't want to remember it anymore. But as Ben asked the questions and I, I was forced to look back and kind of dig up and remember the experiences, I felt so much shame to the point I did not even want to sit in front of my husband. I, I just wanted to you know, talk to him with like a blanket over my head because I didn't want him to even look at me um, because I, it just became so real and evident to me how filthy I was and that's, you know, that how much shame I had. Um, and it was through that process, after that process, I just really felt, Jesus, I need you to deliver me. I need deliverance. 
any deliverance from the influence of the enemy that has kept me in oppression to, you know, um, and, and at this time, I, I was no longer looking at pornography or practicing masturbation as, you know, hardly even. Um, and so I thought that, okay, I'm good, but it was really me keeping very close, accountable, you know, being accountable to myself, making sure that all my stuff, my phones were on restrictions and all of that. So a lot of it was me um, activating like my my man power, my works. And it's it's kind of like the same thing you do if you're on a diet and you're just trying to keep your diet, keep your diet. But the moment I came to Jesus and I said, Jesus, I need deliverance. I need you to free me from this. I don't, it's too hard. It's hard work. It's too much hard work for me to try and keep you know, I'm like walking around eggshells around myself and I'm tired. I just want to be free. And it was that moment that God called me to surrender it all. And I just surrendered and Jesus completely set me free from it. Um, yeah. So that's kind of that moment of freedom for me. And this is, this is recent and, and I praise God for it. Yeah. And I, I, I'm just so blessed to be in this place of freedom and, um, and it's just, it's, and I know I'm free because when Ben asks me any question of my past, I can look back at who I was and the things I've done and I feel no shame. Instead, I feel forgiven and I feel so grateful and I feel loved and I feel, I can look and say, man, those were my weaknesses. And the Bible says that in my weakness, God's strength is magnified. And yeah, so just enjoying that victory. And really praising God for that, yeah. That's powerful, Libby. Um, and so what I hear you saying is that in order to be free from the shame, well, you had to speak it out. Yes, definitely, yeah. I had to. Um, even as Ben asked me, the questions were so difficult for me to answer. There were points where I just said, like, this is too embarrassing. Like, this is so embarrassing. Why do you need to know the details? You don't, you know, like, that's in my past. Leave my past alone. But I hadn't dealt with my past. I hadn't healed. I was still so hurting and so shameful, which I didn't even know. So I actually had to say it out and it's hurtful and as hateful and shameful as it was. I'm so glad I did it. And just, you know, and, and, and I believe like, I really encourage people to do it and really encourage you to just, just say, you know, Holy Spirit, help me, help me to speak it out. And he empowers us to speak it out because God wants us to be free. And so he, he'll, he'll empower us to do it. And so, yeah, I had to confess it out. I had to say, I did this and I did that. And yeah, I had to speak it out. That's a really important point, speaking it out. And um, yes, it is yes. in the past. Yeah. And, um, but until we speak it out, it can't be dealt with. And then secondly, you had been, um, you were sharing to someone who loves you and didn't judge you or add more shame. Um, and that's, you know, a really yes. big, important thing that we can yes. find someone who's going to love us. In fact, I'm sure it made yeah. Ben love you even more because now he understood. Oh, I tell you, he loves me now as if we just, you know, are still courting and, and he didn't know any of this about me. Um, which is kind of what I wanted all along. Like I wanted him just to love me. So I didn't tell him any of this, but I'm just so grateful experiencing. I said to him, actually, in one of the worship services in church, I said to him, the way you love me now, I, 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 
I know this is how God loves me. Like I'm receiving God's love through the way that you love me because you know everything. You know my past. You know how who I was. You know what I've done, but you still love me so, you know, passionately. And I said to him, this is how the Father loves me. Yeah. That's beautiful. And so may we be those types of people who can hear people's stories exactly. and yes. continue to love them and, and pour out God's love because there's there's too yes. much judgment and then we throw a scripture verse at them and more condemnation. <laughs> yes. Uh, so listening exactly. and loving and receiving, but then helping them walk through. Um, yes. And so do you find yourself tempted at all today? I do. I do. I feel um, the enemy is continuously uh, tempting me, trying to influence me, especially when I'm on my own. Um, but you know what? I've just learned and God has brought me a fresh, amazing revelation of exercising my authority over the enemy. Like I have authority of the enemy. He does not have authority over me. And knowing how to walk and exercise in that authority just keeps me living victorious every moment, every time I sense the enemy influencing. And there are a few things that are important. One, it's important to recognize when the enemy is, is on attack and trying to tempt and trying to influence. And second, it's important to know how, how, to, how to resist because the Bible says, James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Um, and so just submitting myself to God, surrendering to God every time, Lord, I surrender this, this mindset, I surrender this desire and then resisting the devil. When I sense that the devil is kind of trying to tempt me or trying to influence me, I'm not just sitting back and kind of waiting for something else to happen or for somebody to swing by I'm using my words and I'm speaking and I'm saying no I am a child of God set free from the addictions of pornography and you no longer have you know influence over my life and the Bible says that when I resist the devil he will flee that it's like it's like rule, it's law. Uh, he can't hang around and keep tempting if I resist. But if I don't resist, he'll just keep tempting and keep pushing and keep pushing. So this is sort of like a practical, a practical tool out of James chapter 4, verse 7 that, that I've just been exercising this whole time and just continuously seeing victory over the influences or the testing temptations. Yeah. And of, of course, you still have... Um things set up around your phone and your devices. Uh, of course, yes. Ben can ask you questions like you're journeying with someone and that's, again, yes. really important because exactly. yes. uh, yeah. we, we can't do this on our own. We need to have no. someone. And even when we mess up again, it's good to have someone to say, hey, <laughs> I've messed yes. up. Um, like Ben has full access to my phone, everything that I can, I, I'm seeing, he can see. I don't have passwords that he does not know. Um, so he holds like he holds complete accountability over me and the same vice versa. Yeah, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Just growing up, um, did your parents ever, what education did they give you around sex or marriage or pornography? Nothing. Yeah. Uh, my parents were both Christians, both loved the Lord. And I know both had great intentions and probably wanted to, but just did not know how to teach me or how to show me, or even worse, didn't even think that their daughter who goes to church every Sunday could be susceptible to something like that. 
to the point of addiction. Yeah. No, and I think that's um, something I'm becoming more and more aware of in the Fijian yes. culture is, yeah. is the silence from the parents um, and yes. the, the ignorance yeah. to think our children wouldn't do this. Um, or we've exactly. laid down rules of no sex before marriage, which are important rules, but we've got to explain why. Um, yeah. And there's so many other things. So yeah. now in raising your three children, um, how do you seek to do it differently? Oh, oh my goodness. I'm just, to start off, I'm so, because of my past um, and the way I was abused sexually, I'm so alert and so aware. So difficult for me to trust my kids in the care of other people. Um, I'm just being a more present mom. Um, There's nothing that takes priority or, you know, over my children for me if I can have them in the room with me 24 7 that's the way I have it um you know when I'm doing work or I'm doing ministry they are within my sight um so I can know who is with them what they're doing so at the moment because they're still really little I'm just very present with them um even down to what they're watching what they're listening to Um, My oldest has just turned four last month. So now he's starting, his circle of friends is changing a bit. So he's now starting to hang out with children who go to, you know, public schools. And so I'm very mindful even over the words that he hears or he's listening to. Um, So, yeah, at the moment, just being a very present mom and completely engaged in everything that they're doing. And I don't intend to be overprotective or overshadowing I'm doing it at a safe distance but in my mind I have this mindset of complete awareness of what my child is doing who are they doing it with yeah and all of that yeah no that's brilliant look our time has gone so fast and maybe we need to we need to do another part uh, another time but just before I end what um, encouragement would you give to people who are stuck in secret sin um, who are feeling awful, the feeling like who they are is wrong. How would you encourage them to break free from shame? Wow. I think I'd leave this, these words of encouragement in just knowing um, that we have an enemy. Uh, Satan is our enemy and he is out to take everything from you, to steal everything from you, uh, especially your value, your identity, your joy, your peace, and he will stop at nothing. So it's important for you to know that being addicted to what you're addicted to and being stuck in the place where you're stuck, I know, I believe that there is a cry in your heart to be set free. Like you don't want to be like that. And and I know that because that was me. I know that you don't want to be like that. You're just in this place. You don't know how to do it in any other way. But it's important for you to know, first of all, that you as a person, you are that is not you. That is the devil influencing you and trying to keep you bound and not knowing who you can really be so first of all just accepting that this is not me this is the enemy influencing me the me that god created me to be and that he wants me to be is totally different totally set free completely shame free if you can start with that i promise you'll just begin desiring who god really wants you to be and god's going to lead you in the right direction to receive freedom awesome well thank you so much you're welcome tisha 
Let the islands hear reason. Let 